I'm Miranda. And I'm John. This is Running With Problems. A running podcast about the intersection of running and athletics with relationships and other issues. Today we're going to give recent race recaps from Ring the Springs. Yeah, it's a bit of a special episode. Uh, We're going to be mostly talking about a race that we did over this past weekend uh, down in Colorado Springs. And we're going to use this to talk about two separate issues that we had come up in this race. John had some pre-race anxiety and just um, anxiety in general. Yeah, and Miranda experienced uh, some navigational difficulties that caused some motivational challenges. Yeah, and it really was uh, me doubting myself and my ability to navigate appropriately. We're also going to talk about how we structured this adventure and whether we enjoyed the structure or not and the structure of the race. Uh, Overall, I think we had a great time and I can't wait for you to listen to this episode as we go through Ring the Springs. Yeah, enjoy. How are you? Hey, babe. Uh, I'm doing excellent. It's about one day out of finishing both our races. Yes. Um, so today we've got a fun episode. We're going to talk about our race experience that we literally just had. A bit of a special uh, episode, I guess. Not not in our normal format. Yeah, we're not going to answer any questions today, but we do have a a topic to talk about. We're going to talk a bit about um, how this journey was a bit different than our normal journeys these past years with running and races. Yeah, and a little bit of race recap, a little bit of talking about gear and and, uh, how the races went, and a little bit about like what we, uh, you know, how we chose to experience this race together and, and have a shared adventure. Yeah. So I think we should start at the very beginning, which is the race selection. Mm-hmm. How did we find? So what what race did we run? Uh, we ran <laughs> the, we ran the Ring the Springs uh, race down in Colorado Springs. It's an Aravipa race. Aravipa is new to Colorado Springs. They've been there. This is their second year operating races down there. I think. Um, Aravipa is well known for some high quality races out of Phoenix and uh, all over Arizona. Um, And yeah, so I found this race, I had seen it go on last year. It's essentially a connection of many different running areas in Colorado Springs. And I just love the idea of connecting different parks and areas like I love like a run that connects them one of my favorite runs that we do with the boulder trail runners is called the hallowed hundred it's basically a 100 mile group run if if our listeners can imagine what that is (laughs) um but it's a connection of the all these different parks between boulder um netherland and golden um and that's one of my favorite experiences that I get to do and this race seemed to be this big connection in the springs i was feeling pretty fit from my training for barkley and i also wanted to like go run a quote normal hundred like i've been doing so many of these bushwhacking races and 
uh, you know, these long overnight adventures and they're awesome. But like, I just wanted to come back to, you know, one of these, just like a running race, a race where you run at least most of it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so I picked this race. It's a lot of it just because it's there. Like it looked fun and I wanted to see, you know, whether I could execute a hundred mile race that, you know, wasn't my like everything in my life. I didn't wrap my life around preparing for this race. I just said, you know, I'm going to be pretty fit and I'm going to train, but it looks fun and I'm going to try it out. And that's how I found the race. And so I suggested to Miranda, like, Hey, I'm going to go run this hundred. Um, do you want to come crew? Do you want to pace? Like whatever you want, like, what do you want to do? Yeah. And what did you decide? Well, um, this had been a year pretty much of, um, me supporting John's endeavors with running and um that's that's pretty amazing i love it It, we have had some great times and it's not like i haven't had uh strong input um one of those was tnoa which was in washington like originally i was planning to run the barkley fall classic right and when reconsidering whether that was the best choice for leading up to barkley um, we, in, I ended up choosing to run TNOA in Washington and it was really nice cause we got to visit Miranda's family who lives outside of Seattle. Yeah. My favorite aunt lives up there. She's the best aunt Susan. Shout out to aunt Susan. Let's go aunt Susan. Yeah. I mean, she's awesome. She gave me my first car, which was a V8 Camaro T tops. <laughs> Not sure that's the best first car for a 16 year old, but I loved it. <laughs> Um, and so we got to go out there and share that adventure. He got to meet my aunt. We got to do some Seattle sightseeing and. Oh, there's a great story of like the day after the hundred, uh, I, we decided to go sightseeing in Seattle and Ron and Susan love to go walking. And so we go to this walking path and I had just run a hundred miles with like 30,000 plus feet of vert. And, and aunt Susan starts like fucking speed walking this like mile she's like yeah i was trying it ends up she was like yeah i was trying to like time trial my mile and like about a half mile in i was like i'm just gonna sit on this bench you guys can keep going because i'm like done uh, i mean and i had paced for 37 miles so i wasn't fresh legged myself <laughs> oh that was so funny but yeah so um then barkley of course was a, a very big adventure where i was five days camping, supporting John. Um, it was a lot. Mm-hmm. And so this run, I decided to do it a little differently. I was like, I want to, I want to be there. I want to be a part of this experience, but I also want to have my own journey, my own adventure. And so they had the shorter distances on the second day, the 50 K and the 25 K. And so I opted for the 50 K the second day, which actually ended up being a pretty cool experience that I got to crew for the first day, get a full night's sleep. We had a friend come in and do the night portion, pace for the night portion. And then I ran my 50K and I got to see, um, John got to see me finish, which this, all of this has its ups and downs. And uh, that friend, of course, is episode one's famous, Nathan Kurz. He, He came and paced me of uh, over some of the night miles um very very nice he's 
always so capable and competent. Shout out to Nate. We love him. Yeah. So we want to di- let's dive into a race recap before we go into our ups and downs of this new adventure balancing act we played. Yeah. I guess I'll start since my race started first. Yep. And so yeah, Saturday morning, uh, running the hundred miler. Uh, I guess I'll start with pre-race anxiety. I I have a problem with pre-race anxiety. It is one of my, you know, the podcast name is Running With Problems. This is one of my problems. Uh, even in this race that I just said, I didn't like wrap my life around. I didn't, it was not like what you would call an A race. This wasn't like, I didn't plan my year around this race. Even the day before this, like pre-race anxiety was a big issue for me. And I think a lot of it stemmed from the last time, last couple times, I've only tried this twice, where I've run a 100-mile race that that wasn't an A race. Um, both those times I've failed to finish for various reasons. And I had a lot of anxiety that that would happen again, that something would go wrong. And because this wasn't a race that, like, I was super committed to, then I would just fold under the pressure. And that anxiety really got to me. And uh, so starting the race... To be clear, this is anxiety about not having anxiety. Anxiety about not having anxiety? Right. You're anxious about not making this a priority. Right. Because I didn't make this like a huge priority in my life through anxiety like by like preparing for many, many months and or weeks in advance. Um, I then had anxiety that because I didn't do that, I wouldn't finish. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pretty interesting how anxiety works, which mm-hmm. is to say, never understand it. <laughs> um, I started out pretty well running too quickly, uh, finishing the first 18 miles in what, 315. Mm-hmm. Was a, a very good start to the race. And pretty quickly after that, uh, just completely falling apart. Um, I would say, so I bonked somewhere around mile 20, 22, as we're climbing to the high point of the race, which was 11,500 feet. And I totally lost my legs. Even though I was eating and drinking, I lost, I just had no energy coming in. And I would put that toward that blame towards the anxiety I was dealing with causing me to like have a lot of stomach like issues. And then it compounded with like preventing me from analyzing what was going on with my body. So I didn't know that I was getting dehydrated. I didn't know that I was lacking nutrients until it was like, Oh shoot. Like, I am definitely down. So once I realized, okay, I'm moving way too slow up this mountain. And then when we turned around and I was moving way too slow down the mountain. And when I say way too slow, it's just like, this is mile 20 of a hundred. Like I didn't expect, and I was moving as if I had moved like on, on, on like mile 80. And you know, that's just too slow for that point in time. I realized that like something wasn't working, like my nutrition or my hydration or something was going wrong. So I started recovering. I started eating more, uh, taking salt pills, 
um, trying to figure out what was going on that was wrong, right? Uh, I need. I knew I needed to get out of my own head. I knew that my anxiety was causing higher heart rates, higher energy expenditure, and so I started. I put in a podcast pretty early. I like mile twenty-two. I had a podcast in, and usually I try to keep that for the night. But I knew I needed to get out of my own head. And actually, so we had a hailstorm come through. I was running down. I don't maybe mile 30 or so. And that actually really helped because I had to get all my gear on and I had to turn into like more survival mode. And that really helped me get out of my own head. And like, and you know, I was like, this is me in the woods surviving and doing my best to move. And so, yeah, that was the first third of the race was going out really hard, bonking, and then trying to recover. Through that whole time, I never felt like I should quit. I just knew, okay, hey, we're going to recover. And that I got to lay that at the foot of experience. Like I've been down and I've come back. And you actually posted on your Instagram, you had this nice post that said, when I came into mile 45, I saw Miranda again. Yeah. And she had a picture of me and she posted on Instagram, like apparently he died and came back because that's what I told you. And, and actually, Leanna from episode two commented on that. She said, ha ha, he does that. <laughs> so Leanna texted me that that seems to be something I do. And then uh, another friend, Kelsey, who we should definitely have on the pod. Definitely we will. Also texted me that this seems to be my thing. <laughs> and, uh, and and yeah, they're, they're quite right. Like apparently I need to like, you know, go through a difficult period to really find my groove. And after that, I really found my groove. So I come in a mile, say 45, and I had already spent 10 miles like just getting better and on my own. But then I had Miranda. She had Lemonade, which was my jam. <laughs> and I we, we did some shoe switching or sock switching. And um, I drank. I spilled a protein shake all over me and then drank the other half. And Nathan laughed so hard when uh, he, he went to shake the protein shake and it flew all over his face because I had taken the cap off, you know, as a good crew should, uncap it. <laughs> yeah, I, I just zero, I shook it. I got protein shake everywhere. And then I just zero Mississippi just started drinking. No, no reaction. I was like, I'm 45 miles in. I just need this. I need these calories. Um, yeah, so, but... Then after that, like everything kind of went right. Like, of course, there's 55 miles to go. There's a lot more I could say. But, you know, things went wrong early. I figured out what was wrong. I figured I I realized around mile 45, like, okay, hey, my hydration mix that I brought, something about it is not working for my stomach today. Mm -hmm. And we had to stop. And, you know, we adapted to that. And this race, the the aid stations were great. They had all these little like grab and go bean sandwiches and um, avocado like wraps. Yeah, and um, hummus they, and avocado. And they were pre wrapped, so you could just grab them and like eat them like they were gels. And it was so awesome to like just. Ha- so I switched to that. I switched to water and and salt pills instead of the hydration mix, and it just adapted and just kept going. And the, the whole rest of the race was no real downs. Uh, there was a difficult period um, 
towards the late part of the race, there the course experienced some significant marking vandalism. So for the, all the non-ultra runners, trail runners out there, um, when, when they mark these courses, they put flags in the ground and tie little ribbons to trees to tell, tell you where to go. And sometimes some people decide that they are going to take down these markings uh, before the race is over. Uh, and that's called vandalism. And I get so pissed off at these people. So we had five miles of significantly, like just intersections without markings. Um, wrong markings, so markings taking you in the wrong direction. Yeah, it was bad, and I don't blame the, I don't blame the course or the the, um, the race director or the race management for this. This is, I mean. You know, they do their best. It's very difficult to set up and run a 100-mile race. As You know, I'm a part of helping organize the High Lonesome 100, and I know how much work and how much how difficult it is to, to do everything that's required to, to run one of these races. And so this is in no way a commentary on race management. Um, they're in a very difficult position where they, are, they have all these people coming out. They've done all this work. To organize this race and all of a sudden like deep in this park there's just like n- all the markings are gone or they're you know somebody's laid them in the wrong direction so this race had a policy of like and most races these days do this this is like something new but like they give you the gpx file and they say okay you have to bring this on your phone because if you're the course experience is vandalism you should be able to navigate with your phone it's not the best way to race no one likes it but it's kind of part of the sport and so I, I lost about an hour through that section, added two and a half miles, lots of standing around, looking at phones, lots of running out and backs in the wrong places. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think through that whole period, it, was, it would be pretty easy to get very upset. And I successfully did not. Like, when we were running extra miles, I was like, let's just get back to the course and keep making forward progress. And when we finally got through the the heavily vandalized section and I could tell that we were back into like a, a section that whoever had done this vandalism like had not been. Like, like we, oh, the markings are good now again. Uh, you could just sort of tell, okay, like the markings are back. Um, we got to an aid station and I, I, I told my pacer, Nathan, I was just like, let's just sit down reset like i i know i want to you know make up time i felt this way at the barkley after i made mistakes and i i and i made that mistake at the barkley where i didn't reset and then i kept making more mistakes and i was like mm-hmm. not gonna allow myself to do that i'm gonna sit down at this aid i had like 85 miles on my watch and i was at mile 80 on the clock you know <laughs> or at the at the at the aid stations like i had run a lot of extra miles but you just sit down eat some, eat some food. And then you start making forward progress again. And that really helped me keep just a even keel. Um, I didn't get upset and I kept going and I finished the race in a PR time. Um, so I never finished a hundred mile or under 30 hours before. And this one was 2640. Um, Ooh, yeah. And I definitely feel like I had over an hour of wasted time. Like, uh, you know, an hour in that difficult section, another 
20 minutes in an earlier section where I ran back and forth because of a, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> so like, that's just so encouraging because this is like, this race had like 15,000 feet of vert. It was definitely not easy. Gets up to altitude. Um, so to, to put down something like a 20, 2640, maybe like you could think how close I was to 25 hours and, you know, maybe eventually I can do a sub 24. So very exciting. I'm very happy. I'm very proud of my body for being able to run so well at night. I'm proud of my mind for like never questioning. Like I always felt the finish was inevitable, which is so cool because, and it wasn't because I wrapped my life around it. It wasn't because like I spent weeks and months preparing for the race. It was just, I came here to finish this and that's what's going to happen. And whatever's in the middle, I'm going to accept it. There were times I felt like, oh, this is so painful. This is so uncomfortable. And then I just thought, you know, like in a couple days, I'm going to be sitting on the couch, drinking a beer, watching a movie, and that'll be awesome. But I can deal with this discomfort. I can deal with discomfort for the next 15, 20 hours. I can be here in this because I'm not always in this pain. I'm not always in this discomfort. This is good for me to experience. And so I had a lot of acceptance of the place I put myself and that acceptance allowed me to get the finish without making it something that like I needed. This wasn't something Mm -hmm. to prove that I could. It wasn't because I needed to finish or else my psyche would go wrong. It was just yeah i accept that i'm here in this place and i'm gonna continue running and i think it's such a healthy place to be running 100 miles is i think it's very difficult to get to an emotional healthy place running 100 miles i think most people including myself who run the longer ultras do so for less than healthy reasons or at least at the beginning I definitely got into the sport for less than healthy reasons. And I think many of my peers do as well. And transitioning that to having healthy acceptance of the beauty that can be had out there on these very long ultras, it's it's taken me many years. But I'm really happy with that performance, that mind performance mm-hmm. of acceptance, healthy reasons, um, low anxiety, you know, accepting the <laughs> previous anxiety. Yeah. So that's my, that's my race recap. It was a little long, but. The one piece I just want to add in there um, that I did not experience as well in my race and was a little jealous of that you did really well was constantly readjusting your goals and keeping your motivation towards the new adjusted goal high. Like you had had an idea of what your time could be going into it. You knew early on that that wasn't within your grasp, but you hadn't, you were able to be like, okay, here's my next goal. Here's my next goal and keep moving in a positive way towards that goal. You got lost. You had an hour of lost time. Okay. You need to readjust. What's next? Yeah. I mean, I still wanted to do as good as I could do without like totally suffering the whole time. Like, I knew that like, say at mile 80, if I, or, or maybe a little earlier, mile 70, I knew that if I like pushed real hard, 
I could do closer to 25 hours rather than, or I guess closer to 24, 24, 30, right? Instead of 25, 30. And, and I just said, is that worth it? I don't know. Like I want to move consistently, but I didn't want to like be in the pain cave all night. And I, you know, cause I was, I'm out here to enjoy myself, you know, at the end of the day. So, uh, you know, gaining an extra 20 minutes that like didn't really cross one of these magical number boundaries, like 24 is like, that didn't matter. Like once I knew 24 was out, um, it was like, okay, let's do as good as we can without like totally not enjoying the experience. And, uh, and so that changed to 25. And then when, when I lost an hour, it was like, okay, well Mm -hmm. now it's going to be 26 and change. And then it was, and that was, um, yeah, that was it. Yeah. It was good. Like it's, it's really good practice. I think it's very easy to break down and just be like, like if you don't get like, that's the problem with a goals. I think a lot of people come in, they have very classic, a lot of runners. We, We have our a goals, we have our B goals and we have our C goals. And I think that, um, most people, like a lot of times what happens is if you don't get your A goal, just everything falls to the ground. Yeah. And so I came in with like, I had a hope and a dream of 24, but it wasn't, I wouldn't have called it a goal. I wouldn't have said like, that's what I'm shooting for. I think with hundreds, it's just, it's too much. I don't like having time goals for hundreds. Yeah. So I had a hope and a dream of 24 when that became not a thing that I could do. Uh, after the early bonk, I mean, just an early bonk um, and it was always going to be tight An early bonk is just threw me out of it. And then it was like, okay, let's just do our best. Great. And because it wasn't some, like, I wasn't like not meeting a goal. Excellent. And, and a lot, another thing coming into this, I know, uh-huh. I know I'm going on and on and on. <laughs> Last thing, um, is that I had this expectation that if I didn't meet my goals and you heard me talk about this was. I'm, if I don't meet my goals here, it's okay because I'm learning and getting better Mm -hmm. and I'll try again next time. And that was something I said over and over again. Like, it's okay if I don't do this as well as I want to, because I can do better next time. And I did really good this time and I still can do better next time. And I think that's a very healthy attitude coming in. So overall, super proud of myself, um, for just how healthy and well everything went. It was great. Um, I really enjoyed having you out there on the course, seeing you upwards. But then after mile 55, like uh, I saw you then, but then I didn't, but then you went to bed and I didn't see you all night long. And you started your race uh, like in like about an hour and a half before I finished my race. (laughs) And your race was running the last 30 miles of my race. So I, I, at around what, like four forty-five in the morning, I give you a call and was like, "Hey, make sure you got the course on your phone because you're gonna need it." <laughs> Which was actually really, really helpful. So um, I guess this will be a good transition into my race, and then we'll do a recap of the whole experience. Yeah, let's do. So transitioning into my race, uh, I got on the bus at. 5 a.m. to bus over to the start line. John had called me and warned me about the course markings. I lack a lot of confidence around um, directions. 
And definitely this will be a big uh, theme that runs through my race. While John's was uh, navigating anxiety, mine definitely was navigating my own self-doubt. Would you say navigating navigation? (laughs) Yes! Pun intended. Uh, Yes. Um, And I'm not like, just for those of you who don't know me, I don't have a lot of self-doubt. It's not something that is uh, something I struggle with. It's not one of my demons. Um, except for around navigation. I doubt myself around directions. I find myself to be directionally challenged. And this race immediately posed that challenge. So I downloaded the map, although I hate reading maps, hate pulling out maps, hate having my phone on me during races in general, or even like messing with it. So this already started out um, with, some challenges for me mentally, but I had a strategy. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to make some friends and just run with them in the first part of this race. And I did. I met two um, guys. One was a local who was running his second ultra ever. Um, The other was, had been in Colorado Springs for two months from Wisconsin, was running his first 50K. So we The three of us paired up. Both of them had their maps on their watches, which I did not have. I just had it on my phone. So I literally had to like pull out my phone and look at it. So at least their watches would beep at them when they were off course. Uh, Immediately, a a small group of guys took the lead and they were kind of gone. And then there was another group of guys and a girl that um, were moving pretty quickly and uh, definitely ahead of us. And that actually worked to our benefit the three of us running together because they went off course several times. And by the time they had doubled back, we were coming down. So we would, they saved us from a couple navigational errors, um, through that section. And overall we stayed pretty clean through that section. We only got 0.4 extra miles through that whole section, made it to the first aid station and, The first aid station was at like about mile 12 for us since we'd gotten a little bit of extra miles. And this is where um, I I left everyone. It was road from this section on for a while. And And Miranda, for all these people out here, like I'm a trail runner, I never run road. When Miranda hits a road, she gains like this, she just runs off. Like every time we're running together, we hit a flat road. I'm like, God, I hate these flat roads. And Miranda's like, boo, gone. She just loves it. And this road was also my jam because it was from mile 12 to like mile 17 or something. So in those upper miles where a lot of people start to like lag a little bit and it was a gradual uphill. My worst enemy and Miranda's best friend. My strength. So me and this dude who it was his birthday... Um, were together on this whole section. We were navigating through the city streets um, well, well ahead, gaining miles on all the, I would soon learn quite a bit of miles on the whole pack. And then we hit the trails again. This is where things went wrong for me. This is where my self-doubt got in the way. So we'd had all these navigational issues. I suddenly find myself alone because I'd pulled ahead of the one guy that I was with through the road section. Um, No one's ahead of me except for those four guys that like were, or three guys that were well ahead. And 
no one's behind me for any, for like, I can't wait for anyone or I'd be waiting like a long time. So I'm navigating this loopy section and I come up to the top of the loopy section and I see a guy coming down and I ask him, I'm like, oh my gosh, well, which way should we go? And he's like, we should go that way. But I thought there was no one in front of me for a while. So I was confused. So I ended up following him and doing the loop a second time. (sighs) Yeah. basically, He was behind me a mile and a half and I followed the guy that was behind me. so bad but it was because of my self-doubt and the course markings not being reliable that I ended up doing this section again and that actually ruined some of my motivation I let it get to me a little bit and I ran that section quite a bit slower than I could have it was at mile 20 no one wants to do an extra mile and a half at mile 20 I was upset. I was angry. I was writing an angry race report in my head. And um, really, it was my own self-doubt that got me in that situation in the first place. Yeah, because the markings at that section were actually totally fine. They were actually really good. Yes, that was my problem. (laughs) Because I I guess to, to draw a picture of where that is for people is like this nice, there's this road with a bunch of trails coming into it. And when you come into it, Earlier on the course, there's signage facing you. And when you come into it after completing the loop, that signage is not facing you. So the signage facing you is telling you to go a different way. So like, uh, and you know, these intersections in all these trail races do get a little complicated. So it it can be tricky and people do make mistakes. So it's nothing that like awful, but um, just a moment of, should I follow this sign? There's a guy over there like, what should you, what should I do? Right. And I, I doubted myself and followed the guy who was a mile and a half behind me. (laughs) He was on the loop for the first time and I ended up doing a second time. But as soon as we came out of the loop, I then got my energy back and passed him again. Doesn't it feel good to get back on track, (laughs) to be making like, you know, you're wasting time because you, you realized you were running that loop a second time halfway through Rish, right? Yeah. And you just knew, okay, now I have to finish this loop. Yep. But once you got back and you were back on course, making progress toward the finish line, that feels good, right? Yes. And that felt really good. And then um, when I came in, that aid station's just down there. When I came into the aid station, there were a couple guys who um, had much younger than me, had been a little cocky in the beginning running ahead, I caught those guys again because I had pulled away from them and then they had obviously passed me when I was redoing the loop and I caught them again, passed them and they were like, I thought you were, thought you were ahead of us. I was like, yeah, I was. (laughs) And now I am going to be again. And so (laughs) I continued on past them um, and then finally caught the one guy who I'd run, I'd run the road section with and uh, caught him, passed him again as well before we came to a big climb and this big climb I was started passing 100 milers at this point um who were just finishing up their day yeah the the back of the pack was coming in for those 30 to 34 hour finish yeah yeah and um after the top of the hill I started losing some 
will to, to do my best, mm. some desire to do my best. That's where I was talking a little bit about my jealousy of John, always keeping that like, I want to complete this to the best of my ability. Mm-hmm. And I lost the internal motivation. I had no more external motivation. Everyone who was behind me was well behind me. There was no one catchable in front of me. Um, I hadn't seen another person for a while who I was actually racing. So I wasn't, I didn't have any external motivation in that way. And that extra, that extra bit that I did kind of got me losing my internal motivation to beat any particular time because I knew I was going to be over regardless because I was now going to get over a 50K for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, I did that being said, I still moved well. I ran most of it. Um, but I also was still fighting that self doubt and stopping at almost every intersection to check my map. And <laughs> that was definitely losing me some time. Um, yeah, but then when I came in and that all shifted, I saw John there at the finish line. I was told I was number one lady. And so that was really mm-hmm. motivating. And uh, most importantly, I, I was very excited to have beat that whole pack of boys. <laughs> yeah. You did excellent. Just, uh, you know, recovering from a difficult period, uh, running very well over mixed terrain. Um, yeah. So overall, how do you feel about your experience? You, you, th- you know, positives and negatives? Yeah, I'm still fighting. I mean, this is only, it was only yesterday. I'm still fighting my frustration at that navigational error. Um, and that's, that still weighs heavy in my experience and definitely will be something when I talk about it, I'll continue to, to mention. Um, in a lot of ways, this terrain was one that really played to my strengths as a runner. There was a lot of pieces of it that just, I, I was, that was my jam. I could run almost all of it. I mean, there was that big hill that nobody's yeah. going to run. Yeah. That hill was, that was, that was a good, you know, 40% grade. So. Yeah. No, but, uh, my body at mile 20 was strong still. I was moving very well at mile 20. Um, once I got into the early thirties, I definitely started to, and it started to get hot as well. Yeah, it was hotter than very hot. Second day. Yeah, it was very hot and hotter than I um, even noticed. But overall, I'm really, I'm really happy, and it's good to get a podium. I don't get many of those as a, a you know, mildly athletic couple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very nice. Um, yeah, I think you performed very, very ably. Uh, you talked about. Um, internal motivations external motivations what ratio would you put on yourself for you know just generally like how much are you internally motivated versus externally and i'm not i don't want to put judgments on this i think that um you can be really great fully externally motivated you can be really great fully internally motivated i think that there's some difference in what those are going to allow you to do in various situations. Uh, I know John Kelly has talked a lot about how in order to finish Barkley, one must be completely internally motivated. Um, And uh, so that's something I think about a lot. So I want to ask you, like, 
where do you see the ratio and the balance of these different motivations? Yeah. Well, I'm not a, a very competitive person. Um, so a lot of my motivation, I usually rely on coming internally. And that's from like, I'm just out there having a good time and enjoying the course. And I have internal motivation to do this experience, to do this adventure. Uh, external motivation usually is pretty small. It's not something I start a race even thinking about. It just comes in little ways. Um, like racing our friend Nick um, on Avalon and just playing playing with it, making it playful mm-hmm. and fun um, or mentoring someone to run their first marathon. And that, that ends up being an external motivation that I didn't count on. So you would say you get a lot of external motivation from collaborative running, not competitive running. Does Ugh. that make sense? That absolutely. Something? That's an absolutely good way to say it. Um, in this particular adventure, I had thought like I, I had kind of had a rough goal of a time. Um, nothing, I, of course, I didn't know the course well, so, so I wasn't set on it, but I had a rough goal. And I thought I could definitely do better than I did in time-wise. So when that was lost, like I said, when you lost your time, you readjusted well. I lost that. And then I kind of... I looked to um, the runners around me to grab on to grasp onto motivation, and you didn't find it. And I didn't find it because they weren't there. (laughs) (laughs) I passed them; they were gone. (laughs) So I had no motivation to push me, and um, I didn't do as well as my body was capable of that last section from the final aid station. Mm, And I know I didn't. I know I didn't and I couldn't find that internal motivation and there was no external motivation to be had. And so there needed to be something internal because when there is nothing external, you have to grasp onto what's only, that only thing that's there, which is internal. Mm-hmm. And you had trouble getting the full potential, but you did pretty good in not giving up. I did, Yeah, I did not give up. I definitely... Still ran. So it wasn't a complete lack of internal motivation, just wasn't 100% or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely could have ran faster. I could have trusted my instincts for the, more. For the record, she still ran that section 10 minutes faster than me. Although I was, <laughs> you were at the end of 100 miles. I was 60 miles farther in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we can transition now, I think, to what the overall experience was, the experience of sharing this dual adventure. Yeah, I think this is a very interesting topic um, of just like, you know, these 100 milers for me are, you know, they're a grand adventure. I mean, it's life in a day. I experience everything. And I love sharing that with you. But I also like I have this I have this thing, like, I don't like asking people to spend their time helping me run 100 miles. I don't like the whole idea of, like, other people, like, I think it's just a lot to ask. And I don't feel like it's, I want to run a lot, and I want to run these kind of races relatively often. And I feel like if I just relied on people for every single one, it'd be so burdensome. And so Mm -hmm. I really want you 
to come along because I love sharing that experience with you. Not only are you a really great crew and it's really nice to see you out there, but I just, I love sharing my life with you and, and telling you about all these things. Um, so having you out there is just really nice, but I also feel that it's, it's a burden. It's a burden mm-hmm. that I don't want to dig into too much. Yeah. And so having this experience where you were able to crew me for half of it and then go run your own race and then I'm there supporting you. I just thought it was so awesome to like, you know, we're different ultra runners. We have different motivations. We have different experiences. I want to go run this crazy, like longer one. And you want to run this like really like, I would say 50 K is a pretty nice distance. (laughs) Um, And like we were able to have both have our adventure in the same weekend, share in it, um, mm-hmm. I think it's just a really great event, uh, like decision that you made to do this. Like, I think it was great. I did miss you a bit through the night. Like if you were pacing me, I would have gotten to talk to you a bit more, but yeah. you know, we're talking now. So. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely missed you as well. Um, it was that morning you called me and you we only had like a little bit of time to talk and you were sharing a little bit about your adventure and I'm like, oh my gosh. On another race, I would get this whole recap through the evening when I'm pacing you, but I'm not getting this. I'm getting it in little bits and pieces, little chunks. So I was very much missing you and looking forward to our drive home when I could get a full detailed recap. And I, when you were running and I had finished and I had gone, I I went home or I went to our Airbnb and showered and tried to get sleep, but of course none came and i was watching the live results yeah you you weren't registered coming through the first aid station so it took four and a half hours before i knew that you had made any progress on the course (laughs) uh i find myself so worried and so like genuinely like just i was like what is going on with her oh my god like (laughs) Like, it wasn't about, like, I need to tell you about what happened in my race. It was just, like, I was just so worried, like, that something was going wrong. And I don't know. I just really, I was really connected. And I just really wanted you to finish. And I was thinking about you a lot out there. Because I had just run those 30 miles. So I knew everything yeah. you had you had to go through. Yeah. Uh, so it was actually quite cool for, like, ah, oh, she's coming through this section. I bet, I bet she really likes that section. Oh, she's not going to like that hill, but... <laughs> Oh, no. Now, like, I thought you would crush the last six miles. I thought, oh, she's definitely doing in sub-hour, you know? Um, yeah. But... Uh, and it, I, if I could have found the motivation, you would have been right. <laughs> <laughs> so, because I was like, oh, she's gotten so much better at downhill since she's, since we've been dating. I mean, maybe that's a bit narcissistic, but you, ha- <laughs> you have gotten better at downhill. Maybe it's more because you run in Boulder more. But. And the I will say the experience of crewing the first day... It gave me a lot of opportunity to bond with the other people doing similar adventures with their partners and bond with people who are going to race the 50K, which made for an extra fun experience because I got to see them on the bus and, hey, are you nervous? Your first 50K. And that was really cool too, building that community. Yeah. Well, anything else to talk about? Um, one thing 
Um, I want to say, and I've already told you this, but I want to tell our podcasters, um, we were doing this Colorado trail adventure. We've mentioned it in a couple of episodes, I believe. And I've had a couple people come up to me and be like, wow, John is going to owe you for life for supporting him on this adventure. And I... I just didn't even ever consider that this was something I was supporting you on. I looked at it like a dual adventure that we're going on together. We're just adjusting to each of our strengths. And one of my strengths would be, you know, shorter distances every day with the dog and driving and navigating and being there with the, the meals and the food. Um, but I'm still out there enjoying this adventure with you. Yeah, I get and to see you every day. That's what I see all these adventures that we go on as. I'll I'll make adjustments to make it an adventure that we're sharing. But we're sharing these adventures and these journeys. It's not something I'm just there along for the ride. Yeah, and I'll close with something that I've known about Miranda for a long time is like I knew that she was the right person for me when I realized how much adventure she brought to my life. I, I'm an adventurous person, but adventure doesn't always come naturally to me. I, I, I lean into it, even though it's sometimes <laughs> uncomfortable, because I know how enjoy, enjoyable it is to be adventurous, mm -hmm. at least for me. And many times partners or pers prospective partners um, can reduce your ad my adventurousness. Yeah. Uh, and it has happened in the past. And when I realized how much like Miranda encouraged me to be my adventurous self, how much she pushed me to do adventures that I wasn't used to and brought me along with her adventurousness, um, you know, I knew that we were... We were, we were really compatible, I guess. Um, and that was really special to me to that one particular point of our relationship is I, I really hold that dear. Um, and this adventure we had this past weekend talking about the Colorado trail, um, enhancing adventure in both of our lives. I think that's just, I love amazing. that. That's the theme of the episode. I think that's a great note to end on. Yeah. Well, thank you all for listening to the special race recap episode. Uh, we enjoyed recording it for you. Bye. Bye.